DW Deutsche Welle. Pulse. Child marriages, war and Brexit is how we've titled this edition of Pulse. Hello and welcome to 20 minutes of captivating stories and some good music to spice things up. I'm Crispin Mwakideu in Bonn, Germany. Coming up, tradition clashes with modernity in northern Ghana as the region grapples with child marriages. Getting married early would actually save my heart from getting broken. And rock and rolling instead of firing ballistic missiles in North Korea. Also coming up, Brexit negotiations have started, but what do young Britons make of them? Keep it right here to find out the answer. Let girls be girls. Don't turn them into wives. That's the message the Ghanaian government wants to spread. One out of five girls are married off before they turn 18, according to Ghanaian statistics. Now, an advisory board has been formed to tackle the vice which is rampant in the northern region, as Maxwell Souk now reports. The traditional string instrument fills the air with a melody at Gumbihne, one of the densely populated settlements in Tamale. The Gonji is here to mark the engagement of a 17-year-old junior high school leaver and her 43-year-old husband-to-be. His husband Idris, who thinks it is good to marry a much younger wife. When you look at our religion, sometimes it's good. Because if the woman is grow old and then you marry her, sometimes it's very difficult for you to get the children. You try, you try, you try, you not get. But sometimes if you are lucky, then you get few. But we offer, I will did plenty of children. 19-year-old Isahaku Rukaya is one of the guests in this ceremony. Rukaya is already expecting her first child with her husband, a man old enough to be her father. But Rukaya is happy with her decision to get married early. Getting married early would actually save my heart from getting broken. So I just um, decided to get early. Some of today's wedding guests may be happy with the practice, which has been traditional in many parts of Ghana for decades. But nevertheless, it contravenes Ghana's constitution. Thank you, Madam Speaker, for the chance given. Madam Speaker, my submission will be based on Honorable Mary's submission. It is important to note that the framers of the 1992 constitution aired by saying a child who is 16 years is matured for sex but cannot get married at the same age. Madam Speaker, Children fill the Jubilee Park in Tamil to role-play parliamentary proceedings. Top of their agenda is a debate about the drivers of early enforced marriage in the country. Their proceedings coincided with the launch of a deliberate program to end early enforced marriages. Should any child be married? 
Ghana's Minister of Gender, Children and Social Protection, Otiko Afisa Jaba, emphasized her point at the lunch. We will bring it to Parliament that the age of consent of sex is at variance with exploitation and the determination of Ghana to ensure that all children, all children are in school and finish school at the, and that the age of marriage, the minimum age of marriage is 18. Grandfathers and fathers cannot be marrying their children. The northern region is one of the worst places in Ghana for child and forced marriages. It is estimated that 34% of girls are married off in the northern region before the age of 18. Gloria Nyamjang, who works with UNICEF in Tamale, said it is a sad situation right across the country. In Ghana here, it is one in every five girls. That's somewhere around 20% of our girls that are married or in union or some form of cohabitation before they reach the age of 18. When you translate that to actual numbers, we are speaking of about 260,000 girls in this kind of union. To fight this state of affairs, a child marriage advisory board has been formed. It is determined to fight tooth and nail against all underage marriages. 19-year-old Victoria Kwenu is part of the board. She explains why she joined. We are in a community and then the next two houses just behind or beside my house is they have married their child off. The next one too. The next one. I'm just, I'm just wondering the day that will really get to me if no one speaks against these issues. So I, I, I'm willing to be struck by that fact that if no one speaks on that issue, one day it might definitely get to me. I'm also seeing more girls losing their lives to child marriage. And she's not exaggerating. Child marriage can indeed kill not only does it rob children of their childhood, there is a higher risk of fistula. When there is a tear during birth, which can lead to embarrassing and dangerous leakages at post-birth if the woman is still not fully formed. HIV AIDS is a huge risk too, and most of these girls are totally unprepared for motherhood. Many suffer greatly. The director of education in the northern region is Harun Cambodia. He knows that many girls are forced to cut short their education when they marry. I must say, the fight against child marriage is very important as a solution to the enrollment and retention of girls in schools. Many girls are forced to drop out of school because of marriage. This is a common phenomenon in the regions of the north. Some also become pregnant and have to drop out and may never return to complete. Yawa Abiba is 17. She has escaped four times from the same man who tried to make her pregnant in her village. Because my father wanted me give me to marry and I don't want that man. Yawa fled to the city to continue her education with the assistance of aid workers. For things to really change, all Ghanaians need to change their attitude. Minister Otiko Afisa Jaba explains. And as the quintessential Ghanaian, it saddens my heart that in my own backyard, young girls are still being sent out into marriage. If I had been married at 12, 16, or 14, I doubt very much that I'll be standing here today as your humble minister. She hopes that by pushing for a change in attitude, 
more young girls and women will get the chance to become ministers or study later in life, helping not just their own futures, but the outlook of the entire country too. Maxwell Suk, for DW in Tamale, Northern Ghana. Four five seconds with Rihanna, Kanye West and former Beatles band member Sir Paul McCartney setting the stage for our next story. This Tuesday, the British Parliament voted on a bill designed to lay the legislative groundwork for the country's EU exit, or as we now call it, Brexit. But how do young Britons feel about leaving the European Union and what impact will it have on them? Jack Davis is a student at Oxford University and a member of the Labour Party. How big a topic is Brexit among college students uh, in Oxford University? So at Oxford University, it's definitely a big talking point, and particularly the kind of circles that I mix in. I mix in a lot of political circles. It very much is kind of the topic of the day. Although that being an anecdotal that being a bit of anecdotal uh, evidence there, I mix in quite political circles. It would be quite surprising if it weren't the topic of the day. Um, but certainly across the nation in Britain, it's fair to say that Brexit and the entire EU referendum has politicised a generation of young people, which politics previously seemed a bit bland to them. And if you look at the statistics, I'm, I'm, I think in 2015, the 18 to 24 year old vote was about 43% of um, national, nationwide, and then it, it massively increased in 2016. And the subsequent uh, general election we've had this June, the the youth stayed out. They they went out in in great numbers again, and that made a big difference overall on the the national landscape in terms of, you know, the the Tories losing their majority was in large parts in many seats because of the youth actually coming out to vote. So undoubtedly, that was the change that was brought about by the EU referendum to begin with. It's politicised an entire generation. So in, in your point of view, was or is Brexit a boon or will it just create hurdles for young people in Britain? I think instinctively, and obviously I don't speak for everyone here, but I would say instinctively it is a hurdle uh, in terms of sort of reducing the future prospects for, for young people and our ability to... Uh, travel and move freely in Europe etc however at the same time I can see the argument for it being a boon only insofar as there's been a lot going wrong at a domestic level in terms of national policy for a while now and if Brexit acts as a kind of catalyst to bring about change and a change in direction in in, in a lot of areas economic policy education policy etc then maybe it could serve as a boon for a change of course that in many areas is, is needed at a domestic level because it, it for one thing that Brexit showed was that there's a lot of discontent across the political spectrum at the current way things are being handled politically and yeah the the the, the current establishment and status quo history and politics student at Oxford University Jake Davies
You're listening to Pals with me, Crispin Mwakideo. When no one else can understand me When everything I do is wrong You give me hope and consolation You give me strength to carry on And you're always there to lend a hand In everything I do That's the wonder The wonder of you Elvis Presley and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. So how much pressure can North Korea take? On Tuesday, the UN Security Council passed another round of sanctions on the secretive authoritarian regime after it carried out its sixth nuclear test. World leaders have been calling for dialogue as North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and US President Donald Trump engage in a nuclear showdown on the Korean peninsula. But a new Norwegian documentary is suggesting another way out of the crisis. The answer? Rock and roll. Charles Maines has the story. From the very first minutes of the documentary Liberation Day, Norwegian director Morten Trovik is out to challenge your assumptions about North Korea. Beatlemania, rock stadium crowds waving in sync. These images are interspliced with North Korean military marches and the crowd delirium we've come to expect for their dear leader. Trovik is suggesting that we all, in our own way, bow before idols. The history of Western societies and North Korean societies are very divergent. But the phenomenon of worship, of mass worship, we do have that phenomenon in our societies as well. The difference between a society like North Korea and us is a difference of degree and not essence. That theory is put to the test when, against all odds, Trovik organizes North Korea's first-ever rock concert and documents the process. His band of choice? Veteran Slovenian art rockers and offbeat cover band Leibach. Life. Life F. Life. As a band from the former communist Yugoslavia, Leibach knows oppressive regimes. In fact, they revel in it. Totalitarian, even fascist themes run through their stage performances and videos. Whether it's a subversive joke is one of the mysteries, even to the North Koreans. At one point early in the documentary, a cultural ministry official welcomes the band to Pyongyang, saying not only is Leibach a terrible rock group, North Korea can't be sure the whole setup isn't a provocation. Without trust, without confidence, we cannot invite you here. Sorry, Leibach, show cancelled, and that would seem the end of that. Petrovic is a skilled negotiator. Leibach, he explains to his host, is, like North Korea, hopelessly misunderstood in the West. It turns out to be a winning argument, though North Korean censors comb through the playlist, ultimately axing half the show. When this includes cutting Leibach's version of the North Korean leadership hymn, We Will Go to Mount Pekdu, Petrovic tells the band to suck it up. I just had a meeting with the Censorship Bureau, which is this state organization that censors uh, all content that is shown publicly. Basically, they have asked us to change, and this we will do. Trovik clearly wants this to work, maybe too much. And compromise, again, maybe too much, is key. And this gets to the larger issue. 
how the international community chooses to engage or not engage with North Korea. The U.S. has never had diplomatic relations with Pyongyang, and at the moment, things are as tense as they've been in years. President Trump has put North Korean leadership on notice. By contrast, Scandinavians have largely kept the diplomatic and cultural channels open. This has provided opportunities for artists like Trovik to collaborate, that's with a small c, developing a certain level of trust along the way. Now, do these efforts strengthen the North Korean regime? Well, certainly some think so, and Trovik's work has generated controversy for that reason. But he says he's also exposed North Koreans' deep curiosity about the wider world. Take, for example, a Trovik-released video where North Korean students cover the 1980s pop hit Take On Me. seemingly monolithic society is made up by quite a large variety of different people. Personally, I don't believe that a one-way lecturing or, or hectoring is the way to achieve any kind of enlightenment, if, if that is your goal. I'm much more interested in trying to put these seemingly non-compatible ingredients together in a shaker and see what happens. So what happens? Well, by the time Leibach takes the stage, it's hard to know who's more changed by the experience. Western audiences certainly learn a lot. For example, about North Korea's fascination with the sound of music, which Leibach, ever the willing cover band, indulges. The hills are alive with the sound of music. And as for the North Koreans, well, they don't seem to know what to make of the whole thing. And Trovik says that's okay. Maybe in 20 years, whether or not there still will be a North Korean state, there will be some uh, Leibach tribute band playing accordions or uh, traditional Korean string instruments or some other kind of weird fusion. But it will take time, definitely. In North Korea's totalitarian state, one concert is just a pebble in the pond. Whether the hills come alive to Leibach, who knows? But the sound of music, even Leibach's, still sounds better than bombs. The hills are alive. Charles Maines, DW. With the sound of music. And there we come to the end of another edition of Pals. Remember, you can find the entire show by simply visiting dw.com forward slash Africa. And join us next week for more stories and big hits. On behalf of everyone here in Bonn, thank you for your great company. I'm Crispin Mwakideo, wishing you a great week. (laughs) 